What's up, everyone? It's Kevin. Per usual, you know, language, what have you. Um, it's going to be in every episode. But in this episode in particular, I'm going to be talking about sex tech towards the end. Um, so you can get all the good designy stuff. And then, like, if sex conversations and things like that make you uncomfortable, please feel free to skip over that. I'm going to try to make sure I put that stuff in the show notes as well. Um, so you know, like, where to skip um, and then where the next bulk of like non-sexual stuff comes in uh so yeah enjoy welcome back to another episode uh i really have really bad intros and in real life i don't introduce people so anita you want to introduce yourself uh sure so i'm anita i'm a ux designer uh most people can probably find me on Twitter at HUX and I guess this is yeah this is my intro <laughs> no right now right <laughs> yeah so what does what is UX design um I guess the industry what does it mean to you okay so UX design as an industry um that's a good question <laughs> so UX design as an industry I would say is more so merging or yeah the merger of science and art to help make technology easier to use for other people it's understanding human behavior and making those decisions based on that um as far as like what it means to me um creative freedom to me um but that's probably because i have a legal background so there's that okay well since you missed mentioned the legal background how did you get into ux uh from legal what was that journey like <laughs> uh a confused uh i don't know do you have do you have like warnings or whatever on your podcast or anything it's like labeled explicit that's about it oh okay cool <laughs> i just wanted to know make sure okay so my journey to ux was a cluster to be quite honest like an organized cluster um and it's because i did a lot of legal internships while kind of going and learning ux through like google and twitter and asking people about it and doing a lot of free work and being introduced to people doing startups and everything and luckily i tweeted out one day that i was looking to do some ux work as a beginner and um i don't know if you've heard of digital undivided um so they were they're a company i know they're they used to be in new york i think they moved down here to atlanta um but basically they they now pretty much are like an incubator for women-led startups um so they reached out and they were like hey we don't have anything but we do know this girl named morgan um we can connect you with her so i said okay cool so long story short that was morgan who owns blavity um which took off right or i don't know yeah blavity's the uh company that owns uh afrotech ah okay makes sense yeah so um i did a lot of work for them for about a year or two um and then at that point i was still in school so i had to like focus on graduating because i was not about to go into computer science not because i didn't want to but because i'm like i got two semesters left i'm not starting over shit at this point um so i finished it out and then once i got out of college i was like all right what am i gonna do and luckily i had done enough free work and had enough of a portfolio to like start trying to apply to jobs and get contracts and all of that so that's pretty much how i kind of got into it got you so i'm gonna ask this question i think i already know the answer but do you suggest other people do free work the same way you did absolutely fucking not don't do what i did <laughs> don't do what i did it's terrible um i would say if you're gonna do free work it needs to be something that you're actually passionate about and care about and you need to make sure that you're getting something out of it 
not not just the oh you're getting experience or we're gonna pay you an exposure bullshit it's more like if you're gonna do free work at least make them pay for the software like make them pay for your software or make them pay for like a book or something that you need or a class that you need because you're taking up your, yeah like you're taking up your time to do work for them for whatever way they're going to benefit off of it you need to be benefiting off of it too especially if it's one of those situations where they can't pay you or they don't want to pay you so they need to if they're not going to be trying to give you money giving you money then they need to pay for your software pay for your tools that you need to get them to the next level so what have you seen to be like the uh, major tools in the industry like i only know sketch because i got a student discount <laughs> actually that's one of the ways i first got sketch was through student discount um but like sketch is popular because i mean most people started out with that at least more modern day uxers because the original people who got into ux more so started out in photoshop because you, a lot of them were a lot of them come from like we're coming from graphic design backgrounds so that's why um so sketch adobe xd figma are like some of the main popular ones people use. I know some people still use OmniGraffle. Um, I don't use OmniGraffle as much anymore. I used it when I first got started. Um, people not using GIMP anymore? Did, did that die? Uh, some people might. I haven't seen too many people talk about that they're using it. Okay, so let's go back. Says you have a degree. What is your degree in? Um, and then like, do you think other people could go that same route? Like, don't believe you have a design degree, but do you think it's needed? Uh, okay. So my degree is actually in legal studies. Um, but that's because I had plans on becoming an attorney and things changed. <laughs> uh, as far as, like, yeah, like as far as, uh, do you need a degree to be a designer? No. You don't. Um, it's unfortunate that a lot of jobs kind of require it, in, at least in their job description and in their hiring process, but you don't need a design degree. You need a design education and you can get your design education from going to meetups, from reading books, from trial and error. Um, yeah, and just understanding what you're looking at when you pull up a website or an app or anything and you're just like okay why was this design the way it was so you can get your design education from free ebooks like it, it's more so about do you understand the basics of design do you have a decent design foundation and understand the principles and the reasons why you're doing what you're doing more so than anything else where you get it from we don't care <clears throat> that you can do it makes sense so like how how long until you saw like the greatest return on your journey from switching from legal to more of a design role so i would say when i started seeing an actual return on it uh maybe two years after i got into it um that was two years of juggling both right yeah that was juggling both like it was two years of juggling both and learning and trying to learn and navigate the tech industry in general so i didn't really see like a actual like solid return to like two years after i kind of like laid my foundation down and you know like started going to conferences or getting invited to conferences and then i was like oh, okay this makes sense now it feels right yeah. <laughs> yeah especially when facebook sponsors it you know oh yeah them and google sponsorships are like <laughs> one google sends you a whole ass gift card yeah so it was to me it was great like it it finally was one of those where it's like okay this feels like i made the right decision because the first two years <sighs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a little iffy yeah more than just iffy um more so like it, it's one of those where i don't know like how you, you know you are with your parents but you your parents help you get through school and then you tell them yeah i'm not gonna go be an attorney i want to go do design yeah i know how that feels you know <laughs> i'm a whole engineer that doesn't do typical engineer stuff so. <laughs> yeah and they're just like what do you mean you're not gonna go to law school and you're like no I, I, I'd rather do design stuff and they're like thinking oh so you you're not gonna go you're not gonna go to law school because you want to play with colors because you, you want to draw because that's what they thought it was like you're gonna go try to draw and maybe this should be a hobby and not your career sometimes whereas my dad would tell me your passions doesn't necessarily mean that it should be your career got a point though <laughs> i mean he does but when you're like no this is really what i want to do yeah it's a little different yeah and for me i'm definitely the type that it's like once i made up in my mind for a fact that it's like no this is what i want this is what i want to do um come hell or high water it's gonna get done it's good good mindset to have it got you here so yeah. <laughs> right. That's going viral on Twitter and stuff. So, Apparently. So, <laughs> so you said you went to conferences. Do you have any conferences that you think really um, impacted you? Yeah. So I actually went to this, even though it's called a, a non-conference or an on-conference, um, went to Epicurance and it's with a bunch of designers um, and a lot of people who are just in tech in general but majority of it is a designers focused kind of thing and um we were actually in lake tahoe and it was my first time meeting a couple of my design mentors um so i would definitely say epicurance was great um another one that i want to go to i might try to hit that one up next year though is adobe xd like the adobe conference the creative stuff um they I feel like you're you're gonna learn so much. You will learn so much, and there's so many different designers from like all these huge companies. But you're gonna be learning pretty much like their the way they do stuff, more so like what's their process for getting certain like user requirements, or just what are they learning from just noticing the users and et cetera, and different design trends and all of that. So it's like the DEF CON of design. Yeah. It's like the kind of design. God. Just more expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was about to say, Def Con's expensive, but no, Black Hat's expensive. Def Con is really expensive. I want to check out Black Hat, but I feel like I need to just focus on Def Con. Let's shoot for next year. I'll, I'll get some stuff together. We'll shoot for next year. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I guess that's a cool segue as well. So I, I know you do hacking stuff. Uh, you got into car hacking a lot recently. How did that happen? Cool. So for me, car hacking is something that I thought was just super dope um, in general. And it happened to have just like caught my eye because um, I got invited to this women hackers Slack channel and they had a uh, this guy named Nico, uh, who I actually follow on uh, Twitter, he was he's one of the main car hackers that I know. And so he did like this live stream about it and kind of talked about Canvas. And then I was like, okay, this sounds really fucking cool. And I want to learn more about it and I want to get into it, which was right up my alley because I love cars anyway. So it was more like I just kind of got introduced into it through him and then went down the rabbit hole. All right, so do you plan on like taking that further? Like you're gonna try to get some talks on car hacking or gonna just expand your hacking skills in general and be like low key about it? Where do you see that going? Probably like a healthy middle. <laughs> um, I think I'll probably eventually do like a talk on it um, more specifically like about different different hacks for it, different vulnerabilities, um, and ways that you can kind of exploit them. More so like when you're talking like 
your Bluetooth that's in your car. So for me, it's more of like the dashboard and the infotainment systems that really catch my attention. Um, and also just playing around on the ECU in general, because I'm like, I really, it's a, you shouldn't do it. It's not advised to do it. And I'm pretty sure it's possibly illegal. Um, but I want to figure out how to brick a car. It's possible. Oh, wait, by the way, you got to explain what ECU is. People might not know. Okay. So the ECU is pretty much like the brain of your car. It's pretty much like, you know how we have CPUs? ECU is your car. It's your car's work. And I want to explain what a CAN bus is as well. Sure. So CAN bus is pretty much like a protocol system. It's what our cars are kind of running on, like our software, which ironically, I believe planes run the same software. They do. So I know. It kind of makes me wonder, like, should I, once I really get down cars and all of that, do I want to venture into the planes and satellites i'm going to look at the plane hacking this year i don't <laughs> care what nobody says shit looks fun <laughs> i mean i've hacked the drone so oh really okay we we need to talk about that because i'm kind of interested in possibly learning how to hack drones i don't know if that's gonna be like you know my main thing because i really feel like cars is gonna be like my main medium they both, they both move things. But no, um, hacking the drone, I think is a lot easier per se. Like I know you need the canvas and stuff for the car, um, but a drone you just kind of need the the Wi-Fi access and a Raspberry Pi, small screen, <laughs> and you're good. Oh, okay. Uh, so let's see. Do you have? I know you mentioned you have mentors for design. You have any for uh, hacking, or did you just kind of jump in feet first? Uh, actually, just kind of jumped in feet first. Like outside of Nico, um, there's another guy who's more so named. His name is Benjamin Spencer. Um, he's not a car hacker though, but he is a penetration tester, which is more likely what I would do if I wasn't doing UX <laughs> right now. Um, would be yeah, more so me just going into penetration testing for all of this and my mentors more than likely be him and maybe i would look up more so to ian coldwater um yeah and then i feel like they do container pen testing right yeah like i feel like i feel like when it comes to finding mentors in the security space it's like you just kind of got to dive in and then just kind of (laughs) happens Like you, you meet random people and then you're like, I look up to them, but you don't necessarily go like, hey, can you be my mentor? You know? Yeah, I think it is very hard to fangirl over people in security. Yeah, like it's, yeah, I for some reason it's just, for me, it just never happened for me where I'm like, oh, I'm fangirling out. Like to me, it's always been like, oh, okay, these are cool people. And eventually I'll get to their level and they'll be like, peers or something it's never like notice me senpai <laughs> yeah i think that's how i feel with uh stoke he's been pen testing for a year but he has like a crazy youtube following but it's crazy because he like he's a designer or something like oh, this is something that he was doing on the side and then got serious and like his youtube took off and all of his social media really took off and now he gets invited everywhere oh that's dope Super dope, man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check out. Yeah, gonna do more this year at DefCon. And according to Ari, she says she'll set it up, but we're gonna throw a party and hopefully it can be a top golf. Oh, cool. Definitely interested. Definitely want to go. You know, tell her. Always fun. Yeah, because last year it was like when I went. Since it was my first time ever going, it was. It was overwhelming. I yeah, think. yeah, it overwhelmed the hell out of me, and I think it's because I didn't know what to expect either, and I just was not used to being around that many people at once, all over the place. Like outside, it, to me, it was like almost like a smaller version of a theme park, but with no rides. <laughs> Basically, 
Yeah, I think like, I think the small hacker cons are really helpful for your first year. And then you gotta kind of like integrate yourself into like the bigger cons slowly but surely. Yeah, for me, I think the crazy part was more like I had a hell of a lot of fun when we were like, I think it was cause we were walking around in like the little shopping thing there. Little, oh yeah. So I had more fun looking at exploit stuff and more things I can get to learn how to exploit things and pick locks and everything else, except for the fact that I stayed in the car hacking village, which I mean, makes sense. I mean, yeah, it does. I, I think, yeah, I swung by AppSec, but it was, did not know that many people were into AppSec for it to be such a like empty space. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was saying, oh, we don't, we don't really have a lot of mobile people that do security, da, da, da. And then like, you go to AppSec village and it was just wrapped around line. <laughs> I guess everybody wants to do it. Everybody's trying to do it. Cause I saw they might have blockchain hacking this year. So I might. That would be lit. I had to slide into that one. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go check that one out. And I definitely want to go to the social engineering village. I need to up my skills. Yeah. I also, I know I went to the blue village or blue team village. That was really cool for me as like trying to get into healthcare and hardware hacking that way. I think DEF CON was like a really good place to be like, all right, here's what I want to do with security. What do I need to get there? It kind of set the tone for these past couple of months and the certs and all the other crap that I've been doing. So I think it was really beneficial. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, which I know this sounds bad. I know everybody like is saying, oh, pen testing is, you know, the sexy part of security and all that. But it's more like for me, I just prefer being on offense i prefer breaking into it than to sit there and defend it i like defending it but i'm always breaking into shit so i'm trying to switch it up so what is the truth (laughs) what is the truth (laughs) gonna be a gray hat hacker (laughs) yeah so when you look at apps like even from my perspective I think it makes security makes my job a lot better, <laughs> right? Because now as I'm building things, I can find flaws in it that other developers aren't going to see. So I don't know if that happens to you in design as well. Mm. See, run the re rerun that right back right quick. <laughs> like, all right, so you know we we know this stuff about security. Mm-hmm. So as I build apps, I look for those flaws. I'm typically trying to hack things. So does that same thing happen for you in design? So as you're looking at how you design things, are you thinking like, how can I deter a malicious person based on design alone? Yeah, so that happens a lot for me now. And I think more so on the level of not necessarily like just them breaking into things, but more like how easy would it be for them to do cross-site request forgery Um, (laughs) so uh, I look at it more like on that type of level or when we're talking voice UX when it comes to like deep fakes and things like that because I've my favorite yeah because like there's uh, I can't put the company's name out there (laughs) but uh, they have this thing where it's set up when you want to get access to your account they record your voice and they store it. So that way, when you return to your account, you just say something and it like registers that and it attaches this mouth. The problem in my opinion with that outside of deep fakes like that is because it's attached to your financial records. Yeah, that seems risky, but I like my voice also fluctuates. So it, I'd be locked out of my account consistently. That too. Like if your voice fluctuates, like you're like, uh, I'm fucked here. Um, <laughs> but then I thought, okay, so what would happen if somebody breaks into like their account or their database and they get these people's like voice recording? Hmm. Because you're saying your name and everything else, like while they're True. recording. So I'm kind of like, okay, so what happens when they do this? What kind of what can what other kind of damage can be done, especially when these are people's like 
not only their financial records, but this is like their stock options. That's an interesting point because like, I know, I think voice is like the next big wave in tech, but I'm also lazy. So <laughs> lazy people rule the world, which means voice is going to be better. But you know, Amazon's been having all these issues with, you're basically giving up your security with Amazon and people mm-hmm. are falling for it. But I always push like, go buy a Google Home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think that voice ux is a great idea i think it's great for accessibility purposes too. um my only issue is we haven't fully figured out how we can make this secure because while people are giving up their security and their privacy for convenience which depending on who you ask that could either be a good or bad thing but I think that as a designer and especially a designer who's into security, I constantly have to ask myself, is me making your life more convenient for five seconds worth the possibility of somebody ruining your life that you have to repair in the next 10 years? Because if me making your life easy by counting out one step and it's only gonna hold you up and make the process like shorter by two minutes or so, is that really worth the fact that if somebody gets your information that now you're like i gotta repair my credit history and everything else now because of the damage that because y'all got rid of it. never thought of it like that i mean that's that is a good question to ask yeah and i, I feel the same way about storing your passwords and stuff too now <laughs> oh man yeah i'm pretty bad at that know i might use a password manager but there's also a couple of like combinations that i just i always use and it's always on like the bullshit sites <laughs> <laughs> yeah it to me it's one of those where it's like i it's interesting because for our i think it's the generation thing so for our generation we're more like yeah i know to change my passwords i know blah 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 to you know not keep them all the same etc and I think me being a UX designer, I also have to look look at it and be like, we're not the only generation using technology. My parents are using it. My grandparents are using it. They might not know to take these particular steps to keep themselves protected. And most people aren't gonna sit there and read the fine print or, or even pop-up modals. They're gonna click out of them immediately. So it's more like, I have to think, how do we integrate security procedures that are so seamless and invisible to their generation that it comes second nature to them that's true that's that's a crazy responsibility to also have like i think as a designer like i used to be a dev that thought design was pointless and then i saw bad design (laughs) they screwed me over so i i can see how the you all have the bigger task there's a lot more variables to look at um than say a developer or someone else who's just like gotta build the thing yeah i think also even hell even designers they're just like well why is this a big deal because this looks tacky and blah blah, blah. and it's like it's not about it looking tacky <laughs> i mean it matters because who likes using tacky looking software but the aesthetic is not the it shouldn't be like your main priority as a designer so yeah so to me i think a red flag which knows like totally goes off topic a little bit but like for me as a designer if i was talking to anybody else who said oh i want to get into this and their main thing is because i want to make things pretty i'm like that's a red flag and you probably need to just go do graphic design that brings up a great question what is the difference between graphic design and like ui and ux um, okay. Do they matter as a difference on job description? Yeah, which is hilarious because when people don't know the difference, they put everything in the job description and you're like, this is a job for five different people and y'all don't pay enough to only have one person doing the job of five people. But that's another story. So <laughs> UX, the difference between UX and UI, UX, while UX and UI both are making their decisions based on human behavior it's a little different ui is focusing more like why are you choosing these particular colors 
why are you choosing these particular fonts and imagery? And that's more like because people are attracted to this color, they associate this color with XYZ emotion. While UX is more like, okay, how are we going to get them from point A to point B? What are the problems that they're having? How can we make this seamless and easier for them to use? So you're, they're both using human behavior. You're just doing it a lot differently between each other. And UX also does a lot more like user research and user interviews and watching somebody navigate platform and being like oh they are hesitating why are they yeah so one's more pattern and one's more like just thought process yeah like i mean like they both use thought processes it's just more like one think of i would say think of ux as more like the science and research aspect of it while ui is more of like this is the part where it's artistic it allows you to be visually creative Makes sense for me. I mean, I hope it makes sense for other people. I think I might just be in, in this for a while. So. Uh, so let's, we talked a lot about like design and hacking, but because you're not going to bring it up, I want to bring it up. Let's talk about <laughs> new company. Okay. Like, how did you get here? What inspired it? All that stuff. Drop the flex. All right. So for those who don't know, um, I'm actually building a company that kind of more so goes into the uh, area of sex tech. So how did I come up with this idea? Um, honestly, I have a lot, I have a lot of adult things <laughs> and the designer in me loves for my stuff to be consistent. Um, I don't like, I don't like having things that are like one color and then or one material and a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't align with it because it looks tacky to me and it throws me off. <laughs> OCD. <laughs> it completely throws me off. And I realized when I started letting some of my friends see my stuff, they were like, yo, where did you get this? Or how did you put all this together? Or this and the other. And I was like, yeah, there's not a place where you can have somebody put all this stuff together for you you have to do the legwork, you have to do the research and you have to know the materials that you're looking for to know whether this is quality or not. Um, and it kind of ended up being where they wanted me to do that for them. And so I was like, you know what? I think I might as well just get paid for this <laughs> because a lot of people want to have their own collection of things that represent them and what they like. Um, at least when it comes to sex and yeah, it just kind of grew from there. And I realized also a lot of people want to explore more sexual acts and kink basically a lot comfortably. And I realized that it's, it can be a little intimidating when you're new and you're starting out. I mean, even if you're not new, like not in the sense of like, you've never had sex before, but more so if you're new to being extremely kinky or going to like the kink meetups or apparently they also have sex cruises now. So um, if, so if you feel like those type of things are intimidating or going into adult stores and talking to people because you feel like they're either being pushy or you're like, I don't want them knowing that I'm, I'm kind of down to do this. Cause I mean, if I gotta go back in here and they gonna, they gonna judge me. Um, I feel like it's, I might as well have just made it more comfortable and welcoming for people to be like, oh, okay, I have somebody here who can like walk me through this stuff where they can at least tell me what products will give me this same effect. And I don't ever have to see them again if I want to, <laughs> because it's all done in one shot. So that's how it is. That's pretty much how I came up with it. It was more like, how can I make sex or a kink more aesthetically pleasing and welcoming to people who honestly would never look in that direction because it makes them feel awkward. Got you. Let me tell you, I read a lot of romance novels and sex cruises are in like every other book. I did not know they were real. I'm a little shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you learn something new every day. 
Yeah, they have a lot of uh, sex cruises. Um, I think I told you, yeah, because I told you I went to uh, Frolicking. Yeah. Um, and the day, actually, because Frolicking lasts, I think, for four days. Um, and I had to work the day before it kicked off. But uh, when I got there, that's how I found out. Oh, y'all had a swinger party up in this hotel y'all booked out. The night before. Yeesh. So a lot of people were doing a walk of shame while going to workshops. <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. I mean, it's like a whole other dimension that most people don't think about. Yeah, they really don't, which is interesting because when you start thinking about a lot of the products that are out on the market, especially when we're talking like apps, since there are a lot of apps connected to these toys now because more people are into smart items. So fun to hack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, speaking of that, um, that's how I found out about a couple of these vibrators that uh, are connected to apps or basically in the form of teledildonics. Um, yeah, a lot of them have some hacking problems and quite a few of them are because they're Bluetooth. And so, <laughs> yeah, so they got to make a better Bluetooth protocol because that's the biggest weakness in sex toys. Yeah. And especially because somebody said there's a disconnected and they couldn't turn it off while it was in them. It sounds like, um, damn, what was the hacker con that was in Kentucky? Um, mm-hmm forgot the name but i want to say i graduated 2016 so summer of 2016 uh, i was on youtube and i found a video and that was a scenario that the guy was talking about <laughs> it was just like someone couldn't turn off their vibrator because it was bluetooth and he's like you know i wondered could i hack the bluetooth and now i control it and he did a whole presentation on it yeah it's it's with a lot of the uh popular ones that are out um, so for me, especially now that, you know, I do UX and hacking and venturing into sex tech, to me now, it's more like also for my potential and future clients for me to be like, Hey, FYI, uh, this is a possibility. Um, keep that in mind <laughs> before you just run out here and just want me to go and get stuff for you. Um, as well as you know just being also very aware of like what materials are doing what to your body (laughs) um and what can happen but as far as like on the tech side to me it's super important for me to be aware of all of this and be able to kind of relay that information back to people and be like hey i mean if you're the likelihood of somebody hacking your sex toy I, I don't really, I can't really give you like a percentage, but it's more like, eh. I want them to know. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> potential possibility if yeah. they're around, I guess, that someone doing accurate activities. Yeah, it's like, it can be done. Yeah, the likelihood of somebody doing it to you. Eh. That'd be real petty for that. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I can, I would more so say, your potential to be hacked would be a lot higher if you're probably somebody who does sex work in the sense of like webcam stuff yeah and and for me it's only because people (laughs) hate to say it people can be weird uh and kind of creepy and a little obsessive (laughs) (laughs) and so i could see them being more at risk for it because i think I can't remember the name of the toy off the top of my head, but it allowed for people to record live and it would record while it's in you. And uh, apparently somebody hacked it and streamed the content. So supposed to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's more of uh, things like that where I would be like, you know, if you're into sex work, this is your chances are probably higher. Um, Sex work, high profile people. Yeah, if you're high profile. Yeah, like this, this is way more likely possibility of happening to you than your average, regular everyday person who's like, I just want a butt plug, you know? Like, 
<laughs> well, it's versus somebody that's like, yeah, I'm super high profile and I still want to do kinky stuff, but I mean, what's the risk of this getting out? You know? Makes sense. So, like, out of all of these uh, different paths that you have going on, uh, design, hacking, sex tech, which one do you find to be like the easiest? The easiest? Um, it's gonna probably sound crazy. I would think being a UXer is a lot more easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Um, but I think that's because I've been doing it longer. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you yeah, think you have a passion for like one over the other two or equally as passionate? I think I'm equally as passionate. Um, I think my passions, while they are equal, they are just in various aspects of those parts of the industry, if that makes sense. So for UX, it's more like, yeah, I'm passionate about solving all, like actually across all three, like my passion would be, I like helping people. I like solving problems and I like doing it in a really cool way. But for UX, it's more like, okay, my passion would be more like, I love studying human behavior. While hacking is more like, no, I wanna just go breaking the stuff. How can I break it? What, what's the vulnerabilities? Like, and for sex, to me, it's more like, what's the UX of, how do you make something sexy? You know, or yeah, like what's the UX of sexy? You know, how do you UX that? Or more like even searching and researching materials and sourcing for stuff and being like is this safe is this healthy is this also aesthetically pleasing you know so to me it's all they all require problem solving which is probably why i'm attracted makes sense so <clears throat> because i know um i mean you got the blogs going on you're building this new business you have the hacking stuff on the side design how do you stay creative with all of this shit going on in your life because i know it's a lot i know we talk about all the time like taking breaks but how do you stay creative and keep your ideas coming so i, I wish i could be like it's because i take breaks um it, it, it's not. I, I, <laughs> I really wish i could be like uh i stay creative because i take breaks no um i think what keeps me being able to come up with ideas for stuff is because I like to explore. So I think my curiosity allows me to keep being creative. So in a weird way, it's like me working the way that I work is what allows me to be creative. I don't recommend <laughs> people working the way that I do because um, you will get burned out fairly quickly if you try to do it for a long period of time. But yeah just exploring having a huge curiosity and i guess occasionally taking a break and being like okay i need to get away from this computer go talk to people <laughs> yeah makes sense go buy some wings that's my favorite thing to do speaking of wings after this podcast gonna end up going to the grocery store so i can make some guava barbecue wings for tomorrow. oh shit it's february 1st i can eat wings again Oh, making <laughs> some wings this week. Hey. I went all month without frying wings. I'm so proud of me. It was <laughs> It works. <laughs> Let me know what your first flavor is going to be. Uh, Aaron talking about I owe her some uh, orange chicken wings. I'm just like, mm, this teriyaki though. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? I'd be lazy. Plus, I don't know if uh, the air fryer is going to set off the fire alarm again because it gets too hot in my place and the windows don't open. Uh, wait, what? Okay, you know what? That's totally off topic. We'll take that off. The <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that off mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain with pictures after that. <laughs> um, but do you have any last minute advice for, I guess, anyone in any of these fields or anything that you do? I mean, you do a lot. It's not always seen, but I know you do a lot. Um, my advice, which 
I'm about to give which I should take my own damn self. So me, I'm shading the fuck out of myself when I say this. Um, I would say don't be in such a rush to get everything done. Because it's one of those where it looks like it can, unfortunately, you can be really hard on yourself and it can feel or look like you're not progressing because it seems like everybody else is progressing. And you're like, am I being lazy? Uh, or am I not really doing enough? <laughs> and I would say, take your time, learn as much as you can, pace yourself with all of this because you're gonna land where you're supposed to land. And so rushing it is not doing anything but prolonging wherever you're supposed to be. Yeah, like tr I know everybody says trust the process, but I think beyond trusting the process, try not to rush the process. I've learned the same thing throughout the years. So. All right, so my favorite question, so I can judge you, what is your favorite backpack? All right, my favorite backpack, which I unfortunately don't own right now, um, is- That is A-OK, -okay. we'll get there. <laughs> is that YSL or Yves Saint Laurent uh, black crocodile backpack that I want very badly. Um, yes uh because it is four figures which is why i do not have it right i cannot i can't justify Gucci bag is also four figures <laughs> like i can't justify it to myself right now so yes i'm trying to get to that mental state of like if i can't buy this four times i probably don't need to get it all the time. and four yeah <laughs> well, I'm aiming for four because I feel like you got to pay your, once your bills paid, I want to save money, I want to invest it, and then I want to blow it. So, <laughs> yes, I have to have four ways of making sure things are taken care of. So, that bag to me will be like, this is fun money. So, this goes in the blowing money category if everything else is taken care of makes sense damn that was you might be the most expensive bag someone said thus far to be quite honest <laughs> i think everybody else has done like a herschel like a i think richie did kind of like a peak design type of camera bag yeah it's four figures it out. yeah it's another bag i want is it waterproof though i don't think it is i don't think it is um what are you gonna do when it rains I wouldn't carry that when it rains. That is, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. Oh, that's the private jet bag? I'm yeah, sorry, no. my apologies. Water does, does not touch that, no. Not unless it's to clean it off with a rag. <laughs> and even then, mm-mm, you get cleaner for that. Uh, <laughs> there's this other bag that I want. Uh, it's more like travel stuff, though. Um, it's by Tiffany, so that's five figures. I thought I was the bag collector here. <laughs> you then like one up to my bag. Shit, like your one bag might be the price of my bag collection. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't afford that yet. So uh, one day, private jet, when I, you know, rent out your private jet or something. Then yeah, I'll, I'll carry it then. But until then, it's going to have to stay at Tiffany. <laughs> I just. I request a Twitter flex when this happens. <laughs> Only I, oh, I, I well, you already know I'm definitely gonna do that. <laughs> I'm gonna flex the hell out of that one. Well, as we wrap up, thanks for talking with me, even though we're friends. So I kind of talk to you all the time on Twitter. <laughs> um, thanks for dropping your advice. Thanks for flexing. Can't believe I got you to flex a little bit. <laughs> oh, complete. Um, do you have like any social links or anything that where you want people to follow you? So your blog, the Instagram, the business Instagram, business Twitter, your Twitter. I know you'll try to leave out one. <laughs> okay. All right. So you can find my UX stuff at Twitter on ace underscore UX. Um, my business stuff is Luxmeo. So that would be L-U-X 
L-U-X-E-M-E-O on Instagram and Luxmioco, L-U-X-E-M-E-O-C-O on Twitter. Um, and my UX with Nita Instagram, which, I mean, it's just UX with Nita, like the website. So that's where they can find me. Business website, yeah, I thought I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the business website is luxmio.com. Um, and oh, and if you want more of the sex tech stuff, like the behind the scenes of what it looks like to build a sex tech company, you can follow sex tech in the city.com, which is yes, a play on sex in the city.com. So There All right. <laughs> All right. Well, any last words before we uh, end this recording? Uh, no, I think we're good. We're good. Uh, eat wings, take breaks, get sleep, get money. Sounds like solid advice to me. <laughs> Be nuts. All right, everyone. Welcome back um go check out nita on social media so twitter and instagram would be in the show notes her blog slash website and newsletters also in the show notes uh she also does um like consulting chat thingies for people that are looking to get into design god i'm so bad at this um but that's also all on her website uh, go check out her business stuff too her business website business twitter and instagram as well um but don't do that if the sex tech stuff was awkward um want you to be as comfortable as possible um but yeah so hope you all enjoyed i enjoyed it clearly these are all my friends but <laughs> um yeah see you in the next episode